The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. I don't know if anybody likes to be searched, but have you ever had uh, that experience, that wonderful experience when you go through the airport and they, they, they select you randomly uh, for a search? Nobody likes that. I seem to always get that. I don't know if it's my profile or uh, what it is. It seems like when I go in, we could be moving at a a quick pace, and I've got to get on the plane, and then all of a sudden they say, sir, if you don't mind just stepping uh, to the side here, we've got a little special uh, search uh, to do here today. And uh, I remember uh, my mother's Canadian, so we would cross the border a lot uh, into Canada to visit my family. And and I remember one time uh, as a kid, we were in the backseat of the car, and uh, she was driving uh, up to uh, the border there, and we got to the border. And and as we approached the border, as we had done so many times before, uh, the the border uh, crossing guard said to my mother, he said, he said, uh, uh, he said, ma'am, he said, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you would like to pass over, uh, but I've got some questions that I need you to answer. And he began to question her about firearms and question her about uh, uh, drugs and uh, asked if she had any automatic weapons uh, in the vehicle. And uh, she kind of looked over her shoulder and uh, seeing three children in the back seat while she's driving here alone and three little kids, one of them's a little baby. Uh, she kind of chuckled a little bit when he started talking about drugs and automatic weapons. And she just kind of said, I got these kids in the back here, and, and uh, he, uh, when she chuckled, he was not amused, not in the least. Uh, as a matter of fact, he said, ma'am, pull over to the side. And uh, she just kind of, she, she kind of was shocked at some of the questioning, uh, and, you know, questioning this mother of, uh, of three as she crosses the, the border alone uh, with the children. And, and boy, boy, did they do a search. Uh, they tore the back seat out of the car. They opened every suitcase, pulled every garment of clothing out, and laid them there on the blacktop. And when they got done thoroughly searching every article of clothing and item uh, that was in the vehicle, uh, they left it there on the side of the road, and they said, you're free to go. <laughs> and boy, that, that, that was like an embarrassing, I mean, here it is, uh, you know, uh, there's underwear on the side of the road, there's all kinds, I mean, just an embarrassing thing when we get searched, isn't it? It's not a delight, nobody enjoys it, nobody says, sign me up for it, I want to be searched. You know, I, I would like to be searched. Nobody enjoys doing that. But it seems to me as we read this passage of Scripture that as David approaches the end of the psalm, that he comes to the conclusion, he comes to the last two verses, and he literally takes delight and praise in saying this to God, search me. He says, search me, O God. Search me, O God. God, I want you, I want you to intimately, I want you closely, I want you to examine me. I am opening myself up to search God, I want you to see if there's a wicked... God, if there's something in me that doesn't please you, I want you to make it known in my life. God, if there's something in my heart, there's a desire in my heart, there's a thought in my mind, there's a dream or a goal or uh, something that I would like to do that doesn't align itself with your will, God, my desire is that you would let me know, that you would reveal that to me, that you would lead me, he says, in the way of everlasting. Boy, that's a difficult thing for us to do sometimes, to uh, open ourselves up and say, God, search me. But as we see the progression of the Psalms, I want to look at four things about God uh, which would cause us to come, I believe, to the very same conclusion at the end of the Psalm that David did if we would acknowledge and address the same things that David did on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, what we think about God 
And our relationship to Him determines what we think about everything else. Do you believe that? What you believe about God, what you think about God, the way you view God, it changes the way you view everything else in life. As a matter of fact, it is fundamental that you view God, that you view God the way the Bible uh, declares God to be. Uh, uh, Wrong ideas about God will ultimately lead to wrong ideas about who we are, about what we should do, and this leads to a wrong life, on the wrong path, towards the wrong destiny. In other words, theology, which is the right knowledge of God, is essential to a fulfilled life in this world. David contemplated God and wrote for us a psalm whose message can only encourage us to be in a right relationship with God. See, there's a lot of people today who call themselves Christians who talk about God, but they have a wrong view of God. They come to God with presupposed man-made ideas. Uh, They come to God and the God uh, of their man-made religion. Or how about this, the God of political correctness. We live in that day, don't we? That God is only God as long as he is politically correct. Uh, How about the God of opinion? Uh, You hear this often. Uh, I don't think a loving God. I wouldn't think that God would. I don't believe that there's a God that would. And they begin to give their opinion about who they believe God to be But they couldn't be so far from the truth if they would just open up the word of God. God has not made himself a mystery to us. He has made himself known to us. God has not hid himself from us. God has not not said, I don't want you to know me. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. God has said, I want to make myself known to you. He did in such a way that he took on flesh and he humbled himself and became a man and became a servant and he made himself of no reputation, and he, he, he went and died on the cross for our sins. He did that so that we might know who God is. But yet we have a real enemy, don't we? We have a devil that does not want people to know who God is. As a matter of fact, he'd rather you believe in the God of man-made religion. He would much rather you embrace the God of political correctness. He would be glad if you embrace the God of opinion. But all these are little g gods. They are not the God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Word of God, it is that God that we've come to worship today. It is that God that we've come to serve today. Hey, listen, as many people like to talk about God, I understand today in the culture that we live in, they're not talking about my God. They're not talking about the God of the Word of God. And it is important that we as Christians are clear on who God is that we understand uh, what God has made himself known to us for. And there's four truths about God that I I believe that David reveals to us in inspiration of the Holy Spirit that I want us to look at today. Number one is that our God is intimately knowing. That he is intimately knowing. I believe that you cannot deceive him. How about you? You cannot deceive him. You cannot hide from him. You cannot dupe him. You cannot trick him. You cannot manipulate him. You cannot conjure him to do or get him to do what you want him to do. He's not deceived. He intimately knows us. In the first six verses, David says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou, hast, thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprights. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Listen to me. As much as we know that God knows our name, can I submit to you this morning that God knows everything there is to know about you? That God knew you before you knew yourself. 
That God knew you before anyone has known you. That God knows all about you. Can I say this to you this morning? A culture that is challenging this even thought. The Bible says that God knew your members. That God knew your gender. That God knew what your purpose was and why you were created. That God has not created any individual with a question mark. That God has created every individual with purpose and with plan and with great design. And that God intimately knows each and every one of us in the world that we live in. They're putting a question mark on gender, on marriage, on the church, on God. And what I have to say to you this morning, that it's not our opinion that matters or political correctness that matters. It is that we understand that God, it is God that has made us and not we ourselves. That we are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. That we understand that he has made us for a purpose and with a purpose. And how about this? God is not the author of confusion. That we live in a very confused culture. And boy, that makes me sad. And I'm not even uh, uh, preaching here uh, this morning, as many may call it a message of hate. It is a true message of love that wants to take people from darkness and bring them to light. To help them to understand that uh, they don't need to be confused. Hey, listen, in the world, when you wander about in darkness, you'll be confused for the rest of your life. But there's nothing confusing about the Christian life. There's nothing confusing about the God that we serve. As a matter of fact, he's made himself very clear and very known to us in his word. And here's the problem today, as we, uh, we know it. That the church of the living God has gotten away from the word of God that we have walked away from the truths of God's word, that we don't know it. And so what we are assigned to is just regurgitating things that people have told us, uh, thoughts or uh, things and imagine. It's amazing how people pass false news on today, even Christians who just think that, listen, whatever their agenda is, they're just jumping on all these soapboxes. The truth is what we need to declare in the world that we live in is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel because that gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth. The Bible is clear on that purpose. But do you believe this morning that God knows you? Not that he just knows your name. Not that just he acknowledges your existence. Listen, as I speak this morning, I do not know you. Not the way God knows you. I know your name. We may have acquaintances. We may have experiences together. We may have even spent time in fellowship and talked uh, at length. But here's the truth. I don't know your thoughts this morning. I don't know your intentions this morning. I don't know your motives. I'm not to judge them because I don't know them. I don't understand uh, uh, what you've gone through. I, I don't understand what your goals are or your desires are. But I will tell you this morning that there is a God in heaven that knows all of these things about you. And whether or not you know everything that there is to know about him or not, he knows all that there is to know about you. Can I tell you that one day as Christians, although now we see through a glass darkly, then face to face we will know, even as also the Bible says we are known. And we are going to know God the way he knows us. One day that's going to take place. But right now, boy, our, our understanding, our knowledge of God is limited at best. It's according to God's word. And that's why we go to the simple truth of God's word, because we say this is the only way that we can know God. It's the truth. You know, we can write as much as we want to write about God. We can come up with as much poetry, as as many songs, as, as many opinions as we'd like to about God. But the truth is that God has most poetically made himself known to us. God has inspired and preserved his word for us today so that we might know him. 
And Paul said it this way, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. But David said, God, I want to know you. You know me and I acknowledge that, but I want to know you. Do you want to know God this morning? Do you want to know him? Intimately knowing him, you cannot deceive him. God knows us intimately. He knows us exhaustively. He knows our actions. He knows our locations. He knows our thoughts and our words, our ways and our motives. As much as we could come into a congregation this morning, into a fellowship, and we can trick each other, deceive each other. Come on, sometimes we put on a smile, but there's not a smile in our heart. Sometimes we put on something fine to wear when we come to the church, but that couldn't be further from the truth as to our, what our life is. Sometimes we put on a social perception uh, so that we could be accepted amongst a group of people. Can I tell you this morning, uh, don't look for acceptance amongst a group of people before looking for an acceptance from the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be accepted in the beloved through the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to adopt you, make you his child, heirs and joint heirs with him. Listen, some people look for acceptance in a church group. They're trying to find a membership somewhere. The truth is, we need to come to a place before we can find any kind of social acceptance in God's church for an acceptance of God. Because here's the truth. The only way that I or you become acceptable before God is if we've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of his shed blood, hey, listen, this morning, I am without sin. We, 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 we just sang that this morning, my sin. My sin has been nailed to the cross of my Savior. Listen, as much as I understand the duality of my nature and that there's this old man that I struggle with, that I want to put down, that I try to die daily to, that I want to be crucified, boy, I sin, don't you? I sin against God. I do things I'm not proud of. As David declared, he said, God, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. He knew that even though he loved God and God loved him, uh, that the truth was that he needed to be right with God in a right relationship with him. Do you know the God that intimately knows you? Do you understand that he doesn't want to just know you casually, but that he wants to know you intimately? He wants you to know him intimately? Listen to me, somebody casually that you know you perhaps see once a week. Some people only see God once a week. They come to see him at the church house. They come to see him among the church people. But the truth is, is if you understand a God who intimately knows you, who you can intimately know, you won't wait till next Sunday to see him again. You'll see him every morning. You'll see him every noon. You'll see him every evening. You'll understand that God is always with you. And that brings us to the second point that David uh, uh, told us about God. Not only is he intimately knowing, but he is constantly abiding. He is constantly abiding. Not only can you not deceive him, but you can't ditch him. You can't get rid of him. I like what the preacher said. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The truth is uh, today that there is no place that you and I can go to where God is not. God is everywhere. You cannot run from God. Oh boy, uh, don't we see that even in the very beginning when Adam sinned, the Lord enters the garden as he had done many times before to fellowship with Adam. He came again. And at this time, Adam was not there to present himself to God. As a matter of fact, Adam was hiding from God. And Eve was hiding from God. As much as they tried to ditch God, 
God says, Adam, where are you? Did God know where Adam was? Did God know what Adam had done? Did God need Adam to explain to him what happened or what they were going to do to solve the problem? God needed no answers from Adam, but notice that God wanted Adam to know that he was still there. That he had not hidden himself, that he could not dupe God, that he could not hide from God, that he could not deceive God, but that he couldn't ditch him either. As a matter of fact, as much as we understood that Adam and Eve were pushed out of the Garden of Eden, did they, did they lose God? No, as a matter of fact, what they found out was that God was outside the garden just like he was in the garden. That perhaps the fellowship was not the same because they had sinned. But the truth was that the presence of God was still there. Boy, it's amazing to see as we watch the children of Israel through the wilderness. You would think in a wilderness place, of all places, that that would be a hard place to find God. But yet God made himself known to them every single day by a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. What was God saying to the children of Israel? Although every other person has forsaken you, although you have no place to call home, I am with you. Boy, as the disciples were distraught, despondent, in despair over the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, that the Romans had taken him, that they had crucified him as they uh, huddled together in that upper room and locked themselves and barred the doors. They closed the doors so that no one could come in. Yet we see the Lord Jesus Christ walk right through the barred door and say, hey, I'm here, guys. I'm with you. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Here's the truth this morning. God has not left us as human beings. He has not left us alone. He has not left us to our own devices. He has not forsaken us. He has not assigned us to death. He has not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The amazing thing is, is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, Paul said of whom I am chief. And the truth is this morning, you and I are sinners and we're lost without the Lord Jesus Christ and he wants to intimately know us, but he is constantly abiding with us. As the world and evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, don't we know the truth today that God is still on his throne, that God is still in control, that there is no weapon formed against God's children that will prosper and what we can understand this morning is that God has created us with a purpose for his good pleasure. And we're not alone. Look around the room as we understand the physical representation of not being alone is a fellowship with God's church. But we have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, has cleansed us from all of our sin. And we understand the truth this morning is that God is with us. We're not waiting for God necessarily just to come back that we might have his presence again. Oh, we long for the return of Christ, but the truth is, he said, I will send another to you, a comforter. Aren't you glad for the Spirit of God today? It is that Spirit of God that has stirred your heart as you listen to songs about him. It's that Spirit of God that is stirring your heart now as you listen to his word. It is not my, uh, uh, my charismatic uh, personality or the well-crafted sermon. It is when we get up and we preach the word of God, that the spirit of God stirs the heart of God's people and says, of a truth, of a truth, verily, verily, this is true, amen and amen. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God does, doesn't he? He says, boy, that's true. That's true. 
Aren't you glad that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether? More to be desired are they than gold, yet than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I'm glad and thankful that God is constantly abiding, aren't you? If God knows so much about us, perhaps the wisest thing for us to do is run away and hide. But the truth is today that all roots are futile. You cannot run from God. As Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Hey, he tried to run from God. He tried to dispute God. He tried to, he tried to push against God. But God came to him and said, you can't run from me. You can't hide from me. I know you. I know your heart. I love you. And I've come to save you. The truth is, is as you try to run from God, aren't you glad that he runs to us? He runs to us. He's the father on the porch of the prodigal, isn't he? And as we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us. But he doesn't draw nigh to us the way we draw nigh to him. Oh, boy, as we understand that God knows us and he intimately knows us, boy, we come humbly. We, we, we come saying, oh, boy, God, I don't even know why you'd, you'd want to spend time with me, why you'd want to accept me. God, why, why would you allow me to serve you? Uh, God, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to live in your house. God, I don't deserve to eat your food. I, I don't deserve for you to provide for me. God, I deserve nothing. I deserve that pig pen and worse uh, that I was in when you found me. Uh, but, Lord, when he came back, boy, when we drew nigh to him, what did he do to us? He leapt from the porch. He ran to us. He put a ring on our finger. He put shoes on our feet. He put clothes on our back. He came to us and he said, you're not servants. You're my sons. You're my daughters. I love you. Oh, kill the fatted calf. Uh, My son was dead. He's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. That's our God, friend. That is our God. He's constantly abiding. If we go up to heaven or down to hell, the realm of the dead, God is there. If we travel the speed of light to the east or the west, his hand will catch us and tenderly lead us. We can't even hide in the darkness, for to the Lord the darkness is his delight. God wants to walk with us and guide us because his plan for us is the very best. Here's the truth this morning. Why should we want to run away and hide? Adam and Eve tried it and failed. Jonah tried it and he failed. It got from bad to worse when Jonah ran from God, didn't he? Jonah ran from God and God prepared a great fish, didn't he? He tried to get away. Boy, he went down to the deep and found out that God was there. He went to where death was and found out that God was there. And God spewed him back out onto that seashore and said, get back to the calling, get back to my will, get back to my plan. It's why I've made you. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, Job said. Oh boy, do we understand this morning as though we may feel like running from God because he knows so much about us. We should run to him because he is ever present with us. He is intimately knowing, he is constantly abiding. Number three, he is wonderfully creating. He is wonderfully creating. You cannot deny him. Oh boy, people who call themselves scientists, educated people, Try to deny God every single day. But the truth is that we understand. Look at verse number 13. One of the greatest declarations of the hand of God in creation. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Boy, the Bible is clear that life begins at conception. 
The Bible is clear that a child is not a child when he is born physically into this world. A child is a child when God has allowed life to enter into the womb. We live in a world that's saying, not so. We have made life a choice, but the truth is, as we've tried to play God, we've destroyed the reason for which God has created us. Oh boy, as Americans, we understand we've killed off our future workforce. We have destroyed, we have destroyed, we are responsible uh, for that. And boy, their blood will be upon our hands. The truth is, uh, this morning, as much as uh, we, we, we are against abortion and understand that it is a sin against God, what we, what we understand this morning is that, that God is still God even when man is most wicked. That God is still in control. That God still cares for every soul and every life. David said this in verse 15, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in, in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Before I was formed in the womb, David said, you knew me. You knew me. I don't care what's popular today. I care what's right. And the Bible tells us that God has wonderfully created us. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what I have to come to the conclusion of? is not only that I must value then life, but that I must value what I do in this life. Because God didn't create me with purpose for no purpose. God created me with purpose for his purpose. The truth is this morning that when mankind does his own will, he goes against the reason for which he was created. God has created us to bring honor and glory to him. Our life is to be glorifying to God. The truth is sometimes as, we, as we're Christians, don't we understand where we have not brought glory to God? where we've gone our own way, where we've done our own thing, where we've tried to say it's my life. The Lord did more than design and form our bodies. He also planned and determined our days, the length of life, the task he wants us to perform. You know, the truth is, as we understand, when we fulfill the purpose for which God has made us for, we are in this life, invincible, until that purpose is fulfilled. Isn't that amazing to you? You look at all these people that went through all that they did in the God's word. They should have died, but they didn't. And the reason was not because they were so strong in of themselves. The reason was because God was with them. Even we look at a carnal man, a carnal Christian, if you would, like Samson. God made him invincible as long as he fulfilled the purpose and task for which he was created. You know what? As a Christian, I don't have to fear the day of my death because I know as long as I walk in truth and according to God's will that I will not see death until my purpose on this earth is complete in him. I don't have to be afraid of when that day is going to come or how it's going to come. I don't have to fear that day because I know, hey, listen, you know who has to fear? Christians that are not living in the will of God. Because when you don't live in the will of God, hey, listen, you can be cast into the sea. 
You can be cast off. You can be uh, put in positions to where you're no longer in protection. Listen, the best place you can be as a Christian is in the center of God's will because you don't have to fear death there. But when you start doing things your own way, you have much to fear, Christian. When you start deciding it's your life to make your own choices and you go against God's word and you walk away from protection, boy, many Christians have tried that and failed. But as Christians, when we embrace the purpose, the plan God has for us, and we live in that will, we walk according to that truth, it's like in this life we have immortality. We live and we never die. Isn't that great? Because this body is the worst thing The death of this body is the worst thing that can happen to me. But I'm not going to perish. I live forever. Every child of God has a life forever. That's not some ethereal, uh, uh, ghostly experience. That is a physical presence with the Lord Jesus Christ in a very real place that God has prepared for us. And boy, we are miraculously created. Our responsibility as Christians because we understand that we've been created He has made us and not we ourselves. Listen, our responsibility is to yield yield ourselves to him daily, to ponder his thoughts that are found in his word, and to walk in the spirit. Here's a good question for us this morning. God thinks of us. Should we not think of him? Is it amazing that God is mindful of us? What what, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Who is man that God would even think of us, let alone know us and count every hair on our head, that God knows who we are, intimately knows us? And yet, isn't it amazing that people ignore God? They ignore his existence, his presence. Listen, uh, God is intimately knowing. You can't deceive him. He is, he is constantly abiding. You can't ditch him. He is wonderfully creating. You can't deny him. And lastly, this morning, and I'll close with this thought. He is righteously judging. You cannot dispute him. He is righteously judging. Listen, there is no judgment that the Lord has made that's up for appeal. There's no judgment that God has made that is open for discourse and discussion and debate that we might, if you would, understand or change what God has done. God has never done anything wrong. He has never made a wrong choice. Listen, I understand that as I make that statement, there are many things that God has done that I do not understand. How about you? Sometimes I see the work of God in the world that we live in, and I scratch my head, and I wonder, God, what are you doing? I wonder, have you ever wondered why God did what he did? But here's the truth this morning. As much as God is patient with us and understands our humanity. And as we see many people in Scripture, even Job, ask God questions. We have no right to question God's motives. We have no right to question God's judgments. We may say, God, I don't understand, but God says, it's okay. You'll understand it one day. Hey, we're his children, aren't we? Don't you understand as parents that there's some decisions that you make that your children just don't understand? Some parents feel obligated to explain every decision. The truth is, that's not parenting. Parenting is understanding the responsibility that there's some decisions that I have to make that my children will not understand. 
But I have to make them as the Lord leads me. And they're not up for dispute. They're not up for debate. It's a decision that I have to make. And as though we understand as parents that we do that imperfectly. Come on, mom and dad, have you ever made a mistake in your decisions? My wife and I, my, my kids are staying with my parents this week and we're without children for a little bit right now. We're enjoying our honeymoon again. And we've spent the last couple days just talking and talking about family and life and all the things that have happened God's allowed to happen, ministry. And it's been a whirlwind. The last July, we'll celebrate 14 years of marriage and we have four beautiful children and we're thankful for what God has done in our lives. But when we got down to the end of it, I said to her last night, I said, made a lot of mistakes. Made a lot of mistakes. Done a lot of things I'm not proud of in marriage and as a father. But boy, I'm glad he makes no mistake. I'm glad that he's able to keep me from falling. How about you? I'm, I'm glad that though I've fallen, he's picked me back up. Well, I've made some decisions that I'm just embarrassed about. How about you? Some choices I thought, never going to rebound from that. And God said, there's always restoration with me. I can always put the broken pieces back together. There's things that have happened to me that I had nothing to do with that weren't fair. How about you? Struggle with that. Boy, life's not fair, is it? Sometimes it just plain stinks, doesn't it? I've gone to God and questioned God and in the end found God to be true, found God to be right, found God to be always right. Even when I questioned him, he was patient with me. Even when I failed him, he never failed me. When I charged him wrongfully, come on, that's Jesus, isn't it? When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, threatened not. God always understands that his purpose and his plan is far above man's questioning and man's disputing. Listen, people want to dispute God all day. But when David got to the end of the psalm, he said, I understand, God, that you're right. And as you have searched me, search me again. Search me again. I'm glad that although God knows everything there is to know about me, He has never used that knowledge about me to hurt me. Isn't that what we're afraid of as government becomes more and more aware, information becomes more and more available? Don't we even see in our own media as people want to say they care for the victims, they do nothing but publicize the news and the event at the exposure of the victims so they can make the money. Because they don't care about that information to want to help. See, when God knows us, he knows our mistakes, he knows our faults, he never uses that information to expose us. How many of us would do the same? We know the faults of others, boy, we have a hard time not talking about it. We see someone else make a mistake, we have a hard time not making that the topic of conversation. But when God sees us make mistakes, he comes to us between us and him alone by his spirit. What does he say to us? Hey, you're wrong, but you can be right. 
I want to restore you. And then he says to his church, ye which are spiritual, restore. Hey, be ye kind, one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Lay aside all malice, all evil speaking, all disputings, all murmurings, all complainings. Hey, put it aside because it is the enemy of unity, is the enemy of what God has done in us and what God wants to do through us. And boy, as people come into this place, anybody have a past in the room? Anybody come to scriptures and say, and such were some of you, and you say, yeah, I was. Aren't you glad for that next statement? But now, are you clean? I like to feel clean, don't you? I'm glad that God has cleansed me from all my sin. He has washed me from all my iniquities. He's put a new song in my heart, even praise to my God. Hey, as we serve the Lord, do people see Jesus or do they just see our opinions, our political correctness, our desire to do our own thing and go our own way? Or do they see a people who say, as David, I understand that you intimately know me and I can't deceive you, that you are constantly abiding and I can't hide from you, I can't ditch you, I understand that you have wonderfully created me and I can't deny you and I understand that you have righteously judged and are righteously judging and I can't dispute you. Hey friend, that's our God. If you want to serve a God of political correctness, you won't want that God to search you because his nature is our government. If, if you want to understand and worship a God of opinion, you will never want that God to search you because his nature will be man's nature, the tabloids, the gossip. But if you want to serve the God of the word of God, when you understand who he is, you'll come to the conclusion, God, search me. I understand that your way and your plan is perfect, and I want your way. And I believe your word. I wonder this morning where you sit. Do you believe God? Do you believe his word? It's one thing to make a statement. It's another thing to live that way. And as we are coming here this morning to make a statement of worship and make a statement in preaching, may we not be hearers of the word only. but May we walk through the doors intimately knowing our God. And tomorrow morning when we get up, we worship him. We praise him. We yield ourselves to him, and we submit to his will. If you've never been introduced to that God, I don't want to introduce you to another man-made religious God. I want you to know the God of heaven. It is that God that loves you and that gave his only begotten son to die for you, that will receive you if you'll call on him in salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll repent of your sin. To repent means to cast off the old and to put on the new. The new life that he has in in Christ, it's a new life. You won't want the old one if you really get the new one. As a matter of fact, you understand the old one wasn't life at all. It was just dead. I wonder this morning, have you ever received Christ? Do you have a testimony? If you were to die, you're 100% sure you go to heaven. I wonder, Christian, are you open to search when it comes to God? Are you afraid for him to search you? 
If you have fears this morning, perhaps it's because you know there's areas of your life which he's put his finger on that you have not yielded to him. You know, maybe today what you need is you need to come down to an altar and say, God, I'm open to search. God, search me. I understand that you know everything there is about me, and I know that you won't hurt me with that information, but I want to be right with you in relationship. Some of us may just need to get our theology right today. Stop uh, judging God by public opinion and start judging God by his word. If you do that, you'll find out he's true. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.